What? Why, why are we hesitating? Barron told us to get law. This is law. Barron told us to get the system. We need the full scope. That's the only thing that will put an end to this. Then let's take it up to Ben. Let him decide. We'll take it to Ben when I say it's time. It's time, Robbie. It's time. They knew, and they let it happen to kids. Okay? It could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been any of us. We got to nail these scumbags. We got to show people that nobody can get away with this. Not a priest or a cardinal or a freaking pope. Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. And if you disagree, <laughs> join the discussion at Twitter at, at the Rank Podcast, on our website at therankwithjohnandzach.com. Or email us at therankwithjohnandzach at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at The Rank Podcast. And remember, please rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. Anyway, enjoy the show. You know what, then? I'll, you know what? Speaking of diving, I know what I want to banter about. Okay. And that's, di- and that's diving. What do you think of Olympic diving in the Olympics? Um... I don't really care that much about it. <laughs> well, I think it's fucking horrible. It's my least favorite thing in either Olympics, and that includes speed walking. Um, Jesus Come Christ. On, diving's I, worse than speed walking? By a lot. Have you ever watched diving? It's the worst thing on earth. I have strong opinions about this. Do you Every really? Time, I mean, I can't tell if you're being just like... No. It sucks so much. First of all, the woman who does it, I don't like her. Like, I'm sure she's a nice lady or whatever. But she sounds like Nancy Grace to me, and every time she's on the TV, it upsets me. And it's like, why is Nancy Grace doing diving? I guess that's just my problem, not her. But, like, okay, yeah, what, what are they? Falling? They're falling into a pool? That's what that's what the sport is? And they're doing so perhaps coordinate, not even coordinatedly, like, just in a particular way, which I guess is coordination. But Jesus Christ, really, this is a sport? Get this out of here. And then how come this is the only one of the swimming ones where, like, well, actually, I think, now that I think of it, I guess this is actually not entirely accurate. But, like, you know how these swimming guys insist on, like, like you need to be, like, full body suit, and that's, like, better because, like, you're more streamlined aerodynamic. But, like, these diving guys, they wear, like, the tiniest little Speedos of all time because they like people looking at them. I don't like it. You don't like to look at them? I don't like this, the the, the arrogance of it. Okay. Well, I don't have strong opinions on this. I apologize. I wish I did, because this may, may be a better banter if I did. How, how, have you, how have you never thought that it's, like, because they they spin, and, like, they fall over a little bit, and then, like, they dive, you dive in, like, vertically, and, like, you don't make a splash? And, like, first of all, everyone who's ever been in a pool as a kid knows that making a bigger splash is better. But, no, suddenly it's making no splash is good. How it's, great would that be if an Olympic diver just was like cannonball see that would be great at least you understand that <laughs> you may be ignorant on this topic but you at least understand but it would only that. be a, like it would only be good once <laughs> you know like it would be like a really funny joke one time and then if anybody ever did it again after that it'd be like oh yeah greg did that <laughs> no i think that should be the competition it should just be cannonball that is the entirety of diving because that's who the gets the biggest 
Clash. Yeah. I'm not opposed to that, you know. You can you can actually not. measure the splash height, you know. And then and then you know, I don't know that we necessarily need uh super in shape dudes to do it. No, no, in fact, probably fat dudes would be better. Yeah. I, did you ever see the uh impractical jokers where they for a punishment they made Joe just keep doing belly flops on a cruise? I did not. Bowl? But it sounds sounds about right. Everything there is about within what I would expect. Oh man, it was so funny. It was like his 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 belly was like bright red. Yeah, I don't know that I would do that. I would just well, actually, I wouldn't do a lot of punishments. I would be horrible on impractical jokers because I'd be like, well, I guess I leave the show now, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Bye now. It's fun while it lasted. I'll tell you the one that uh, they did to Q. Um, I even Sarah was just like, I don't like this. They put all like the tarantulas on them. Oh, right. Yeah. That was mean. Tarantulas are no go for me as well. (laughs) Well, I think diving and impractical jokers leads us pretty easily into, uh, into spotlight. You know, what do you say? Oh, of course. I would say, you know what, the divers, here's the here's the perfect segue, right? You were talking uh, about divers having these really nice bodies because they want everybody to look at them. They want yeah. the spotlight on them. They want the spotlight on them. That is very yeah. true. So let's go to spotlight that has nothing to do with that. It's just the name of this area of the newspaper. But, you know, whatever. Um, let's uh, Let's get an agenda from Zach. Oh, we have an agenda for me today. Those are, those always go well. So uh, this being uh, the the beginning, this is the agenda portion of the rank where we start with banter and then then into agenda, which is where we are now. And then we uh, usually go into uh, what do you call it? Um, notable notable quote notables. Quote <laughs> notables. Yep, are the fun facts that we found out about the movie, and we say, "Wow, those were fun." And uh, after which we uh, go into the movie overview. Uh, where we discuss the movie from beginning to end, um, which is also always a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, we rank the right. We rank the movie where we give our our uh, rankings on a scale of one to ten for this one. Uh, ten being the best um, in ten different categories, which are different from our action movie ones. And then uh, we talk about where where it landed in the rank. Uh, this this one we only have what seven movies? Is this our eighth? This is our eighth, the eighth and final one from the movies that were nominated that came out in 2015. So this one is going to be either eighth, seventh, sixth, fifth, fourth, third, second, or first. No other option. Or eighth. Oh, did I not say Right? Did I, you say eighth? I thought I, thought I did, but if I didn't, that's okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I have a feeling it probably won't be eighth. I have a feeling it won't be eighth, but um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's not... Let's see what happens here. So I, you know, today we're ranking Spotlight. You may have figured this out already, but it's the 2015 film starring Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Liev Schreiber, and Stanley Tucci. Written by Josh Singer and Tom McCarthy, who also directed it. It was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, for which it won, Best Supporting Actor for for Mark Ruffalo, Best Supporting Actress for Rachel McAdams, Best Film Editing, and Best Picture for which it won. So it's sort of interesting because 
it didn't have the most nominations of uh of the other movies in this you know uh, for this year mm. and it it only won two but it won the big one best picture what did you say oh the uh, original screenplay you said the other, other one was? yeah best original screenplay was what it also won what an interesting year because so often you know some of these go together and then this year they did not seem to go so much together well you know i can't remember what year it was we'll have to look it up um but they they changed how they were going to choose best picture so like every other category it's sort of whoever gets the most votes mm-hmm. you know and for best picture it was a ranking okay so like you got points for the for whatever like if there were eight of them right so you'd get eight points for being number one you know so on and so forth and uh i'm not exactly sure how it went but they changed it and after they changed that the best pictures were actually often very different because it used to be pretty much if you got best director Mm -hmm. you got best picture yeah Um, but anyway that's interesting i uh I don't know if it's better or worse, but it is interesting because that's it. <laughs> if nothing else is just going to complain about like first past the poll, uh, you know, voting or whatever, but stop caring. You don't like ranked choice ballots? No, I love ranked choice ballots. I wish oh, that's how we too. voted for everything. I, me too. It makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. And like people would be more willing to vote for all sorts of different people, you know? Exactly. You'd get more people on the ballot. You'd, I mean, right. Oh, it's just well, better all around. It's just we don't do it for reasons. Who knows? Well, this I guess this is not that podcast, but no. <laughs> we're in agreement here. So this movie is based on true events. The movie explores the investigation carried out by the Spotlight Team, a group of investigative journalists from the Boston Globe. Here's a movie I would prefer it wasn't on true events. But yeah, no kidding. The team, led by editor Walter Robbie Robinson, uncovers a shocking and widespread child molestation scandal within the Catholic Church in Boston. As they delve deeper into the story, they face immense pressure from various entities to suppress the truth. That's the that's the summary. Yeah. Um, so we're on to the eighth and final film that came out in 2015 and was nominated for Best Picture. We've done The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max, Fury Road, the Martian, The Revenant, and Room. So now we'll find out if the Academy got it right, right? Yeah. Um, so right now we have Brooklyn as the top movie of 2015, slash the 2016 Oscars. And I do remember that I thought this was an excellent movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see where the rank, what the what the rankings give us. I mean, do you have any thoughts going into like before you watched it? Do you had did you have any presumptions or anything? Not really. I uh, hadn't really heard of it when it won, and I was like, "Okay, I don't know what this movie is." But like, I get like you know, it's it's not hard to figure out. Oh, it's about reporters uncovering you know priests priestly abuse. But uh, yeah, um, I thought it looked a little bit like I hate to say it, but like Oscar bait. And uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see if it was you know if it's like legitimately a good movie or maybe more. Just the sort of thing that Hollywood likes rewarding. <laughs> well, I mean, typically, you know, I would say that movies that are nominated for Best Picture are usually pretty good. Um, oh. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's see, let's dive in. What's next, Lyndon?
Morin So, as always, we're going to start with the box office numbers. Spotlight made $45.1 million domestically and $53.6 million internationally for a worldwide total of $98.7 million against a budget of $20 million. Mm. I, I am curious. I wonder what percentage of that budget went to the actors' salaries. Yeah, because it is kind of kind of an all-star cast. Yeah, it's pretty packed. So, like, do you think that they took pay cuts to be in the movie? You know, like they read the script, script and they're like, "Fuck it, yeah, I want to." I'll yes. Put you know, me it's, in hard the movie. it's hard to say. Um, it is. It is a lot of like known, you know, well-regarded actors, but I'm not sure it's like a whole bunch of. Or would the would these guys be getting like you know. 20 million usually right they wouldn't be 20 million yeah you're right they're not the big like box office draws you know you're not getting a tom cruise or a will smith or you know that kind of thing in mm -hmm. this movie but they'd still probably have a considerable price tag mm -hmm. typically right mm -hmm. i mean mark ruffalo is pretty well known michael keaton's pretty well you know pretty well known mm -hmm. plus he was coming off of birdman you know mm -hmm. Well, anyway, let's let's dive into some of these potent notables here. So, in the baseball game scene, which didn't we just talk about them having movies always showing people with softball themes? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this one feels more legitimate, but yeah, <laughs> um, it is funny that they always do that in movies. But in the baseball game scene, the real Michael Resendiz, Sasha Pfeiffer, and Walter Robinson can be seen in the background. Oh, well, how about that? And the real Walter Robinson said of Michael Keaton, quote, it is like watching yourself in a mirror, yet having no control of the mirror image, end quote. It's like so kind of cool. It's like a weird nightmare. <laughs> yeah, right? Is this Inception? Yeah, Michael Keaton, stop doing that. <laughs> no, Michael Keaton. Now, when Michael Keaton accepted the role, he had tracked the real Walter Robinson before meeting him and found out he actually lived near Robinson's house. Mm-hmm. So he had also gotten hold of video and audio of Robinson. So when Keaton first met him, he did an impression of him that was so impressive that Robinson was scared and said to him, how did you know everything about me? We just met. It's like something uh, Nathan Fielder would do. <laughs> I don't know who that. Well, it, it, he's creepy. <laughs> he does comedy, but it's, it's like creepy comedy. So like... It sounds fun. Yeah, so it is. <laughs> if you have never seen Nathan for you, you know, that's a good representation. Oh, that's really... him? Is that yeah. him that you're talking about? Okay. Yeah, or the rehearsal on HBO, but that one is like, that one kind of like made me question whether or not my own life is real. So it kind of messed me up for a little while. <laughs> so you start with Nathan for you. Yeah. It was like very strange. <laughs> now, during every break, of, in filming, Mark Ruffalo asked the real Michael, Rose Michael Resendiz to say his lines for him. Mm -hmm. And the real Michael Resendiz said, watching Mark Ruffalo reenact five months of my life was like looking into a funhouse mirror. Mm -hmm. So we've got two guys talking about mirrors. So clearly the actors did a good job here with uh, kind of yeah. these people. It doesn't sound pleasant, though. Funhouse <laughs> mirror and you have no control over what they do. This is kind of kind of, kind of upsetting. I know it's uh, it, it is sort of odd, but so speaking of Mark Ruffalo, 
and I'm including this in the potent noodles for this movie that I, though I don't know it necessarily belongs here, but mm. it's our first ever Mark Ruffalo movie. Mm. <laughs> so I guess that's where it belongs, but I didn't really know this. Um, he was diagnosed with vestibular schwannoma, mm -hmm. which is a type of brain tumor. So it was benign, but the surgery to remove it caused partial facial paralysis and affected his hearing. And it's funny because I've always thought watching Mark Ruffalo, that his face looked odd, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't realize that was why. So anyway, there's that. I just thought that was kind of interesting. That's not something I knew. I mean, it makes sense, right? When you think about like the way he talks and stuff and the, the way his face kind of looks, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Now, do you remember when this, when this, when he was diagnosed with this? It was, you know what? It's been a while since I did the potent notables for this. Um, but it was like, it was like after 13 going on 30. Okay. So it's been a while actually at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it was a while, but it was like, so you can see him without that in some movies, and then yeah, with that later. Anyway, yeah, so director Tom McCarthy said that they built a large set to depict many of the Boston Globe offices mm -hmm. where parts of the story take place. When the reporters de uh, depicted in the movie first visited the set, they gravitated to, you know, their desks, quote unquote, their desks, mm -hmm. right? And many of them started to arrange the items on those desks the way they had been at the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just like they just started doing it that's just kind of wild isn't it this is a, such an interesting like like uh it must have been an odd experience for these for these actual <laughs> reporters to right like this weird fake version of their life like oh i'm in the truman show suddenly that's not what i was expecting but all right <laughs> interestingly a movie that we won't end up doing in this series yeah which i think is kind of a shame um Maybe you don't. I don't know. I've never I seen it, know. actually. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I always felt like it was underappreciated. It seems to be more appreciated now because they basically, you know, people use Truman Show as a verb. Mm -hmm. Remind me that you said use it as a verb. <laughs> well, isn't that kind of what you just did? Um, yeah, but remind me that you said that because there's a part in this. Wait, may as well say it now. Yeah, he says golfing isn't a verb and i don't understand what the fuck he means by that what do you mean golfing isn't a verb obviously people at the very least use golfing as a verb i guess what he's trying to say, say that? that i don't remember that um i don't remember <laughs> but um he definitely says it um now, i think he, it's michael, talking keaton. michael keaton yeah, yeah that sounds like something michael keaton would do and um i think what he was trying to say is that it's play golf is oh, what the, the verb gotcha. form would be but but like no golfing like that really annoyed me because i was like shut up that's just you being like pedantic and like yeah traditionally golfing was not really technically the right verb but like once people start like it, it if you want to be understood golfing is the way to go rather than insisting on play golf or something whatever it is right anyway jimmy leblanc who mm -hmm. plays patrick mcsorley was himself an actual survivor of the clerical abuse scandal. Oh. So when director Tom McCarthy first brought him in for rehearsals with Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, and Stanley Tucci, he was concerned that, quote-unquote, revisiting, you know, mm -hmm. Jimmy's abusive past would be too emotionally traumatic for him. 
However, as McCarthy later accompanied Jimmy out, out after the session, he asked him if he was freaked out by his first acting experience with the other actors. Mm -hmm. And he goes, <laughs> Jimmy goes, of course I'm freaked out. That was the Hulk and Batman and that guy from The Devil Wears Prada. That's <laughs> a funny response. Um, um, what what actor was that? I, I don't I don't know the character. I'm pretty sure it's the one that uh, you know he's like Stanley Tucci was his lawyer, and and then Mark Ruffalo ends up interviewing him. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure it's that guy. Yeah, I think I know who you mean. So. A study of Swiss priests published in May 12 on May 12, 2003 revealed that 50% of that clergy had mistresses. Mm. Similar to the report by the Spotlight team the Boston Globe published in 2002. Father Victor Kotze, a South African sociologist, surveyed Catholic priests in his country in 1991 and found that 45% had been sexually active. Over all these studies, 53% of sexually active priests surveyed were having sex with adult women, 21% with adult men, 14% with minor boys, and 12% with minor girls. Okay. These statistics caused a monumental debate in which no one challenged the reality of his numbers. Pepe Rodriguez concluded that 95% of practicing priests, practicing priests masturbate. Mm-hmm. 7% are sexually involved with minors, 26% have attachments to minors, 60% have heterosexual relations, and 20% have homosexual relations. And on average across the globe, only 50% of Catholic clergy are legitimately celibate. Mm -hmm. That seems odd. Not odd in that, because that seems in line with human nature. But right. it seems odd that nobody cares. Like the the church itself is like, nope. Well, what I find odd is that it's not higher than fifty percent. Yeah, that is that actually is a little strange. Yeah. Um, now, a study published by John Jay College of Criminal Justice in February two thousand four found that sixty eight percent of priests accused of sexual abuse were ordained between nineteen fifty and nineteen seventy nine. Mm. Priests ordained before 1950 accounted for 21.3% of allegations, and priests ordained after 1979 accounted for 10.7% of allegations. Huh. Fucking boomers. Yeah. The <laughs> sooner that we get them out of there, the better. Out of the clergy or out of oh, the world? Oh, the world. <laughs> um, yes, advocating genocide against a whole generation. That's That's totally normal, right? Yeah, that seems like something we should leave into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no editing required. Now, un unambiguously, my actual opinion. <laughs> um, a victim asks a reporter, have you read Jason Barry's book? Do you remember that part? Mm, That's the yes. guy when he comes in, he's got his thing full of uh, his, his uh, like, bin full of information and he's like i sent this all to you already oh yeah okay yeah um so barry is a reporter who began covering sex abuse cover-ups in louisiana catholic churches for the national catholic reporter mm -hmm. and the times of kate of acadiana by the time the boston globe broke the story of the abuse scandal in boston the ncr the national catholic reporter had been reporting on abuse within the church for 17 years while other bit much bigger news outlets had refused to look at it. Mm -hmm. 
that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of stuff about us that you know. I feel like a lot of the reactions in this movie did lots of things are like very like what what wait what like why why yeah why did nobody care about that yeah no kidding of all topics for like people in at large to be like mm, I don't care this this is the one that like you know yeah I mean what's crazy to me is that you have all these fucking conservative morons. They're like, oh, yeah, Democrats are child trafficking. And then mm -hmm. they go to, like, this pizza place and try to shoot it up, right? Yeah. Because they believe conspiracy theories. But, like, you know, actual go to yeah. jail. Yeah. Wow. Meanwhile, yeah, you know, it's drag performers, apparently, who kids need to be protected from and then leave them alone with, with the clergy of all different denominations all, you know, yeah. all the time. Well, I mean, I mean, drag queens are notoriously um, funny. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, now the credits and title cards are set in Miller, mm -hmm. the typeface the Boston Globe uses for most headlines and body copy. So check out our top ten fonts episode, everybody. <laughs> I was just thinking, too bad we didn't know about that. We might have been able to see if we liked Miller. I guess. Yeah. Miller's got um, a great body copy, you know what I mean? Oh, doesn't it? It's Miller time. Um, uh, I don't know. If I, I feel weird about joking so much in, <laughs> with this movie, but whatever. Yeah. In a February 2016 piece that Marty Baron wrote for the Washington Post about the experience of seeing the movie Spotlight get made, uh -huh. Baron praised the film and especially Liev Schreiber's performance. Schreiber, so this is his quote, Mm -hmm. Schreiber portrays me as the newly arrived top editor who launched the, that investigation, and his depiction has me as a stoic, humorless, somewhat dour character that many professional colleagues instantly recognized. <laughs> like, quote, he nailed you. <laughs> and that my closest friends find not entirely familiar. Journalists worldwide have now seen the movie, and they've reacted the same. The movie is stunningly accurate in how it portrays the practice of journalism, investigative report, reporting in particular. As for my own portrayal, I would have to be quite the grouch to complain. The screenplay honors me, as does the restrained, nuanced performance of Liev Schreiber, an exceptional talent. Schreiber later... Nice. Yeah, I thought it was a nice one, right? Um, now, Schreiber later returned the compliment by saying, quote, that is one of the proudest moments in my life, is to have made Marty Baron happy. Mm -hmm which is kind of also fun. All right, this so here's is, the last... Oh, go ahead. No, this is just reminding me a lot of the exact same thoughts that... Not exact same thoughts, but, like, um, just it's just reminding me a lot of... Uh, the Big Short? Big Short, yeah. And yeah. Like, you, you know, I guess it's just different when... But these guys seem to like it. You know? Yeah, no, it's, it's the like... The Big Short guys were like... Large, the yes, largely the opposite. Like, yeah. It made me seem like I don't have a sense of humor. Like he also made you sound like a pretty awesome guy. So mm -hmm. there's that to hang your hat on. Also, it sounds a little bit like you don't have a sense of humor from saying that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So my last potent notable is a, a nice little foot to mouth uh insertion moment. Ooh, delightful. So this is Mark Ruffalo talking to Jimmy Kimmel about Michael Keaton. So, quote, we were rehearsing, and he said, 
hey, why don't you walk me home? So I said, sure. God, it's Michael Keaton. Yeah. And we're walking. And I said, hey, you know what's so amazing? This kind of renaissance you're having right now? It's really exciting. And he's like, what renaissance? And, he, <laughs> and Mark Ruffalo continues. I feel like that was the moment where you should have stopped, right? Mm -hmm. And Mark Ruffalo continues, you know, this kind of like comeback you're having. He's like, comeback? I never knew I left. And then he goes, I had 10 more blocks with him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's why, like, as you said, you know, you kind of just, <laughs> I don't know what I meant there. I was obviously just being silly. I, would, I think I would have been like, well, it's nice that you're, it seems like you're finally being recognized as like the great actor that you are with your nomination uh, for best actor for the, uh, for the, for Birdman. And then like, and you know, I'm working with you on this one and this seems like you're probably going to get nominated again. Very slick. That's how I would have been like, Renaissance. Yep. That's what I meant. There we go. <laughs> Excellent recovery, your theoretical recovery. Yeah, theoretical. In, in reality, though, like, it, you know, obviously, in the moment, I would have been like, I, the, the, <laughs> you know, Europe in the, with the Renaissance. I like Renaissance fairs. <laughs> I just mean literal Renaissance. Why? <laughs> um, it's just, you know, you're a Renaissance, man. Um, so let's dive into the movie overview. Movie overview. So I the score that they started this movie with like mm -hmm. already had me contemplative. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> For a second, I didn't know what you meant, but yeah. And we're, we're sort of starting off in what was it the seventies? Uh, yes. In fact, I can't. I don't know. I, I can't uh, remember what year it was. I can't either because you know so many of the abuses take place in the eighties, but yeah. But they like they bring the father in, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or not, and then all of a sudden these people show up, and the the cops like, "What arraignment?" Mm -hmm. It's fucking disgusting, you know. Yeah. It's it's Just, like they're the oh it is it was nineteen seventy nine that it started. I wrote it down. Okay. But it's like they're the fucking mob. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, it really is because they control. They can take documents out of the courthouse, you know, with impunity. They can, they basically buy judges. Yeah, it's really gross. It's pretty much exactly what they are, actually. Now that I think of it, I don't want to make this. I, I paused there because I don't want to make this episode about religion specifically. But you're up. That's absolutely what what the church, the organization, comes across as in this movie. In this movie, yes. So, I mean, we go from this, you know, diddling priest to suddenly mm -hmm. we're joking about editors. Yeah, that was a little, I actually found that a kind of like a, an odd transition. Like, oh, we're those hilarious office jokes that people like to make suddenly, you know? <laughs> exactly. It was like, hey, this oh. son of a bitch, right? Hey, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of stark transition for me. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh, this is quite a tonal shift. Mm -hmm. Um and then we meet Liev, you know, Marty Baron pretty quickly, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like already very understated. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He was like barely awake. <laughs> but, but yet, but like very awake, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah. It, it was, uh, I actually, I, I thought his performance was pretty excellent, but I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But um, 
it just I guess it was that he just, he didn't even seem like Liev to me. Uh, he didn't. I, I agree with that 100%. In fact, it took me a second. I was like, that is Liev Trevor. Like, because I was a little confused. He, yeah. he kind of had Sabretooth. Uh, right, I was going to say, this is Sabretooth? <laughs> but, but aside from that, yeah. Or Ray Donovan, although I never mm-hmm. watched Ray Donovan. Yeah, I haven't, but, you know. I've heard it's really good. He has a he has a physicality when he wants to, so actually. Oh, yeah. So sort of he's he's, you know, still has that same sort of potential for energy, but is so, so not passive even. I can't think of the word I want. Yeah, it's just he's very, he's very calm, cool, collected. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's he's thoughtful. Is mm-hmm. what it is. You know, he's the type of person. You know, I don't know if he's representing the guy correctly. It sounds like he was, um, but to me, he the what I envision this person as being very calculated with the things that he says like mm-hmm. he, he doesn't ever just react mm-hmm. which is like what i wish i was <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm he always also, just reacting yeah he also does a good job of like not seeming to be taking because he's not like spending you know a whole 20 seconds thinking about everything everybody says it's just his, his reactions are always very measured Right, exactly. Without seeming slow-witted or anything. Right, he he does a lot of active listening. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, okay. Well, we both clearly kind of are interested in, in who this person really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, it's also interesting because you assume, having known, you know, knowing how the newspaper industry was going, yeah, I don't know. Probably any time a, a new editor is brought into a newspaper movie, you know, you think. They're probably going to be making huge cuts, but that's especially the case in one that takes place in 2001. Um, but, uh, and I think somebody says, Oh, is he here to slash your people like he did in I don't fucking care where? Miami. Um, Miami, yeah. And uh, so you're, so you're like really not sure what to make, make of him. Is he going to be like, because I mean, it was probably good that I didn't know anything about this story at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was kind of better because I was like, Is he going to be like, the one who's fighting them all the way, like threatening to get rid of them. But no, he's he's instigator of everything. I know. He says, like, hey, it's fascinating. There's, yeah, the, he's the new editor. He just comes in and he's like, start digging into this. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, maybe it, it's like that an outside person is needed to see the, the forest mm-hmm. and the trees, you know? But um, it was. Yeah, but he also has very real moments too, where he's like, "Yeah, I probably am going to let people go." Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He said that uh, right up, right up front with that. Yeah. That like you know I can't. That would probably I don't know I don't remember what he said, but he's like that wouldn't be unfair to say that that's a possibility, or right. something like that. I just it feels very authentic already. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it feels like a real office. It feels like these people are journalists. It, you know, he, Marty Baron seems like an editor to me. I mean, like it just all felt very true. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start. They they start talking about the statute of limitations for you know because they're talking about like oh these people. I, I think it was Billy Crudup, right? Mm-hmm. That was like oh, you know the statute of limitations. Like by the time people usually come out and actually say these things, statute of limitations is already up and blah blah yeah. blah. And I was thinking like. So we know that these types of things take longer to come up, and yet we still are like, 
Yeah, but if you don't do it in six months, then they're yeah. okay now. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, well. I think that is changing, at least. But it does feel like, God, like, why is... I, I don't understand why there's a statute of limitations on crimes. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I, it kind of... I mean, I don't know. I, I, I know that it's difficult to um, gather evidence for a lot of them after a certain amount of time, but like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a reason to be like, you missed your chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think it's the case for murder. I don't think there's a statute of limitations on that, but it's just, it feels like, I don't know, it's bizarre to me that there's any for anything, you know? Yeah, same. I, I like that Mike Resendez is all about getting everything uncovered on everyone mm -hmm. he's just he's he's just he's a very idealistic type of guy it seems yeah i got that too and then uh we get this scene with them at fenway park the first scene with them at fenway park right because there's, there's like what one or two more after this are there i i can't remember but yeah I think so because I I think the first time they're talking about it, it's just like they're just talking about it. But then the next time they're at Fenway Park, there's like all of a sudden they're just like, "Wait, are you, you're really doing this?" You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. But I'll tell you, seeing people at the baseball game, it really made me want to go to a game. <laughs> yeah, go to a baseball game. Um, I've never been to Fenway. I, I take it you have. I've been twice. It's a cool park. I'll tell you, I. A dream of mine, and I think you know this already, but I I want to do a baseball tour across the country. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that I, f I feel like it's sad to have missed out on a number right? of them. And and I don't just mean like you know the polo grounds because that's been for a minute, but like right. just ones that have closed since we were teenagers. You know? Yeah. Just to, I mean, like I not, not like I needed to go to Three River Stadium, but you know what I mean. I do. I know exactly what you mean. Or Veterans Stadium, right? Mm -hmm. really. um, although I have been to uh, Citizens Bank Park, um, but I will say this: I got. I went to Olympic Stadium. Mm, I know you're in Montreal a bastard. That's probably not going to be something anybody's going to do ever again. I know. It's pretty God, cool. Even if they did somehow figure that. Like, even if they did bring a team back to Montreal, I'm pretty sure having a brand new stadium would be part of the requirement of it. Yeah, no kidding. I think it'd be cool if they did bring a team back to Montreal. That would be cool. I always liked the Expos, actually. I did, too. Oh, well. Anyway, so um, it was fascinating to see how they, they were really scared of the church. Mm -hmm. like, like the Boston Globe was, you know? Not just like the cops, but like everybody was terrified of the church. Yeah, like you were saying, the mafia. Yeah, exactly. So now, you know, the the spotlight team has kind of realized like there there is some there's a there's a there there you know like there's something going on. Yeah, it took a it took a tiny bit of time for them to really get behind the idea of pursuing this, but then they kind of go after it wholeheartedly once once they get there. Yeah, and I like that um, Roger Sterling there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't but, have the foggiest idea what his character's name was. <laughs> no, me either. But I like that he was kind of like, no, you need to drop this. Yeah. And they were like, mm, yeah, we're just going to keep doing it. <laughs> He's like, okay, glad I have any authority around here. I know. It's like, um, it's sort of, I mean, I was like, this is like a cool fucking job. We're just like, mm, yeah, we're just going to do what the fuck we want to do. 
Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Roger Sterling is he sucks. And I was convinced that he was the villain of the movie for a minute. I was like, he's the one who buried the story from years ago, isn't he? Then I realized this isn't like a fictional story. You know, this isn't like <laughs> there's no villain really exactly. Well, there is, obviously. Oh, there's a villain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's not like there's no there's no betrayal at the newspaper. It's just the way things actually worked out. So no one need actually have like you know, no one's on the church's payroll necessarily. Right. Or if they are, it doesn't have to be like a betrayal by the main you know, character or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, they were also sort of lucky to know that the the big guy had their back too, Marty Baron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was probably helpful. That that the second in charge guy was like, "You should drop it," and the first in charge guy was like, "No, don't." And the and the third in charge guy was like, "Also, no, don't." So yeah, yeah. the third in charge guy was like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to him. Yeah, Uh, I'm not listening to the number two guy anyway. So, (laughs) well, speaking of the number one guy, Mm -hmm. he goes and meets with the cardinal Mm -hmm. and he's Jewish and the cardinal gifted him the catechism. Very sensitive. Which which is real. Mm -hmm. That's like a real thing that happened. Very sweet gift, really. Yeah. Your useless book. I would have sent him back, been like, that was so kind. I decided to send you back some sort of freaking commentaries on the Tanakh or something. Like something weird. Not even just the Torah. <laughs> I would have I would have given him like a book on Scientology. Elrond you know Hubbard. what? You know what? You know what? Subscription to Playboy. That's what I would have <laughs> given him. Yes. That's amazing. No, actually, pa- you know what? Hustler. House? Hustler. Oh, wow. Even wow. better. Just be like, sorry, Mr. Priestman, according to statistics, there's a at least a 50 or 60% chance or whatever it is that you're not celibate anyway. So you should have gone with Playgirl. I should have gone with Playgirl. You're right. <laughs> Although I don't want to insinuate that uh that being attracted to men is somehow wrong. Although I'm sure he thinks that. So that's what I that's why I was saying it, not because not of any homophobic stuff, just mm. I would imagine that that would have that would have upset him the most. Yeah, exactly. We're going for maximum upset. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's like, now if the pictures of the naked men in this were, were children, that'd be fine. But <laughs> oh, they're man. adults, so no thank you. Uh, so like I said, I don't want this to become about religion, so let's move on. <laughs> so then this is when the guy shows up and he's like, I sent everything five years ago that we were talking about before. Yeah. And you guys didn't do anything. And um, I like their confusion. Where where'd you send it to the here? Yeah. <laughs> to this paper? Are you sure? I feel like we would have done something with it. Yeah. Like, well, no, you didn't because I fucking sent it to you and you didn't yeah. do anything. And they're like, oh, uh, <laughs> darn. I, you know, this uh, sort of was a thought to me. I was wondering. Do you think that like the lay person in Boston knew what what spotlight was? Because I feel like they would they they it was like they showed that they would have cachet by being like, yeah, I work for the spotlight team. Mm-hmm. People were like, oh, the spotlight team, you know? I'm like, did anybody give a shit actually? That's a good question. I feel like probably not, but like at the same time, news used to be more local. To be yeah, and it used to be bigger, like because, like, I'm thinking, like, people know Help Me Howard or whatever those segments are on the news, you know? Yeah. Like, that's not exactly quite as hard-hitting investigative journalism, <laughs> but I don't even know if... I don't even know which channel that is, but uh, regardless. So maybe, but I don't know. 
even 2001 was, wasn't quite, you know, every single person read the paper every day kind of territory. So, but then again, they said it had been around for years. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, may, you know, could be, it could very well be, or maybe like the people that have power know all about Spotlight, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But uh, so then we, we're going to meet our first victim, right? Mm -hmm. And this guy's talking about how, you know, my dad just died. Mm -hmm. and, and the the you know priest is like i'll come take care of you yeah it's like, they prayed on the kid right after his dad died like yeah, these 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 predators always know the exact you know best people to go after and exactly when yeah masters of manipulation and and everything else well they're real fucking holy is what they yeah. are oh absolutely <laughs> let's make them holy full of holes like because we've riddled them with bullets you see so yeah so in, anyway we go back to the office again and i actually like this little bit here with uh they're like he's wearing out the newsroom because marty mm -hmm. Barrett just like never leaves it feels yeah. like it, they had a lot of these little things that made you it made it feel like it was a real workplace you know mm -hmm. and then it wasn't just like oh everything's about spotlight at this company you yeah. know um anyway i, I was thinking too like shouldn't cops be doing this stuff uh you'd think so um like, it's like why do we even have a police force well they're generally they're generally not corrupt or easily influenced by authority or those who have power over them and i will also say that very infrequently are cops particularly in boston you know catholic so <laughs> that's just almost oh, a rarity feel like cops are almost entirely hindu typically yeah typically um well you know assuming that that the india has a proportionate number of cops to their population probably i mean anyway i, I just <laughs> I, sorry I, no I was, no i know it's okay i'm just i was i'm just like i'm thinking about it you know and i'm just i like the investigative journalism stuff you know uh -huh. that, that that we always hear about people doing and i'm just like but these are fucking crimes why why don't the cops look into it just it's crazy to me mm -hmm. like so we're they're literally there to make money for whatever government they work for that's yeah. it oh yeah that's have you ever seen this, the stuff about how in most cops i don't know most of yeah I don't know in local governments and everything they are not in any in a way established with the intention of protecting people or rights they they're there to protect property yeah they're, that's exactly what they're there for they're there for, to protect property and then that went a step further mm -hmm. when they started instituting fines like parking fines and things like that yeah. because then it was literally revenue mm -hmm. it was revenue for the government yeah it's, now they seem to exist to create their own you know to create their own, I don't know, the need for themselves. I, I did like how natural their conversation is. You know, like the everybody in this film just felt like a very natural sort of conversation, and everybody was it just it never felt to me like we're reading a script here. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, you know, best uh, best original screenplay territory, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm thinking, like, while they're going through, they have no idea. They're like thirteen priests. Like yeah. they're they're in for a shock. Yeah, <laughs> it turns out because thirteen is already a pretty big number. 
when you're talking about molesting kids again, because one is a big number. Not to drill that again, but... Yeah, exactly. It's just upset. So it was interesting, actually. I, so I, I wrote that thing about, like, I guess sometimes you need an outsider, right? And mm -hmm. then later in the movie, they're like, hey, it takes an outsider. I swear, mm -hmm. I didn't know that was coming. It <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> just occurred to you by your, <laughs> by your intuition your understanding of things and it, you know and it's roger sterling being like it needed spotlight you mm -hmm. know yeah sometimes it takes an outsider and it's like uh, we weren't <laughs> yeah um, wasn't he the one who was against it but uh i liked this line if it takes a village to raise a child it takes a village to abuse one mm -hmm. stanley tucci character yeah i think that's pretty excellent yeah it was insightful into the fact that these things are usually, at least not on this scale, going to happen completely under the rug. Or they're not going to happen completely unbeknownst to someone. They are just not going to be pursued. Or Right, exactly. Well, it's basically saying, like, you know, they're doing this and they're getting away with it because there's some mechanism behind them that's protecting them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and the proof of that is that they fucking moved them every two to three years. It's just, it's so fucking gross. It's like, it just, it makes me angry. It makes me so angry. They're just like, oh, he molested a bunch of kids again. Let's move him to another area, and uh, he can molest a bunch of kids over there. It but boggles then, the mind that the church, the people in charge didn't care. The people right? who are supposed to have, you know, the great one would hope greater morality than the rest of us. Yeah, and they just didn't give a shit. They mm -hmm. were just moving them because they're like, well, they won't catch on if we move them around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so ninety fucking priests they were doing this with. Yeah, and I'm not sure what part when this occurs, but they're talking to the. Um, how do they get in touch exactly with the one psychiatrist, the former priest too? Who it was, uh, it was uh, they found a like it was like a book uh -huh. that they found about it, and then uh, Mike Rosendi's reached out to him. I think right. I am having a weirdly hard time remembering exactly how they got in touch with this guy initially, but he's one of the he's willing to talk to them and he's willing to share some of the uh, some of his findings based on his research and his. There's the moment where I can't remember when I just watched this movie tonight. I don't remember a lot of specifics, apparently. But, uh, you know, they're saying, oh, we have this. We think it might be like 13 priests or whatever like that. Does that sound in line? With oh, yeah. Does that church? sound? And he's, he's like, like, no, no. it doesn't. It sounds it way low. low. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, if it's 6% usually of a population, and they do the math and find out that that should be about 90. And then yeah. through their own research, where they are looking through the 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 church, you know, what are the, the for some reason they publish the who is in what parish and everything. I don't know why the church does that. I don't know who cares, but um, <laughs> it just seems completely idiotic to me. But um, yeah, they look through that and cross, you know, finding everybody who's moved around every every couple of years and everybody who is being listed as on sick leave and other code name code words. Um, they come up with 87 potential names and they're like, well, that's just about 90, isn't it? So, yeah. 
Well, I also I also enjoyed that I wrote 90 fucking priests. I wrote that down. Mm-hmm. And then the next line was 90 fucking priests. Yeah. Too many fucking priests. One fucking priest is no good. <laughs> I also enjoyed there was this uh, a part like right after this where uh I think Roger Sterling is telling Michael Keaton that he needs to like kind of like okay, we've got the story. Let's go. Let's do this, right? Mm-hmm. And Michael Keaton's like, mm, no. Mm-hmm. Done yet? And then and he just like walks out of the office, and Roger Sterling it's like, the meeting's over. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just left. Okay, I thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, that's it's it's also nuts that the reporter lived right next to a treatment sta- treatment center. Yeah, and that was that was a that was a you know you could you could see how chilling he found that yeah. because you know I don't know it's it's funny because normally. It makes me think a little bit of like when people are, you know, they don't want to live near a halfway house or someplace like that or someplace where, you know, people who are known to do drugs live. And I get that as well. But it's, this is like especially like upsetting, I'm sure, because like at this, the whole point of this story is that these places are not treatment centers. They are like way stations for priests to right. you know hang out at until they get to abuse again. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy fucked up. It's not because like there's there's no question of the church like actually oh well like we're actually gonna try to get these guys you know put away someplace or something. No, they're just well I guess leave you here until until you're reassigned to other kids. Yeah, it's uh, it's just. Do you remember it, when this story broke in real life? Two thousand. No, I mean, do you remember? Do you remember it? Oh, do I remember it? Yeah. yeah. It was yeah, a huge do. story. It was like worldwide story. I couldn't have it told you. up the Catholic Church for a long time. Yeah, I couldn't have told you like where the majority of the reporting and investigation actually took place. But yeah, I also remember when it finally became like a, oh, I guess we all actually have to confront this, huh? Yeah. It was one of those things, too, that people kind of like already joked about. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. And yet it was still shocking. Mm-hmm. Happened to actually get you know confirmation and like numbers and like actual, yeah, like this isn't just a stereotype or just something that people make grotesque jokes over, right? Well, so soon after this, um, we uh, we get Michael Keaton kind of strong, strong arming uh, Billy Crudup, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, Well, which story do you want us to write? You know, we've got a story about lawyers who cover this shit up, and we've got a story about priests, uh, priests, priests who diddle, you know, who diddle children, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually really like this about the movie because, in real life, it's never that black and or it's it's not usually that black and white. And then they they point that out in this movie where he's like, "I fucking gave this to you, and you buried it." Mm-hmm. I could understand. I like. I felt for Billy Crudup's character there. Like mm-hmm. I tried to do the right thing, and and you buried it on me, and yeah, getting, I didn't want to ruin him. my career. Yeah, you know. So I moved on. But yeah, I did. I did think it was funny. We had a we had a you know like a, a typical movie thing that happened here, mm-hmm. where like there was like a creepy end to a call. And then a door knock. Yeah, I know. That's actually, you know, that 
that was because he's saying, you know, you should you should look out, Mark Ruffalo's character. Right. The, the Catholic Church is someone's gonna get you and then knock on the door, and then it's Roger Sterling. And I'm like, oh, it is Roger Sterling, he's the bad guy. And then I'm like, there's no there's this is not a serial killer movie. <laughs> if this was a serial killer movie, then this might in fact be the indication that he is the serial killer, but that's not what's happening. It definitely did that thing. It did the same thing to me where I was like, Oh, is he? Is he like gonna try to shut them down now? Like, is yeah, he try to fuck with them. And yeah, you're you're right. It's just it's like, nope, that's not how this goes. <laughs> yeah, this is this is real life. Yeah, he, he it's not he's not secretly Ghostface. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't think of someone. Um, but yeah, do we we get to uh, we get to get to fall in love with Liev's character some more. Because he's just like, he's just like, mm, yeah, no, this isn't the story. We're not done yet. Mm -hmm. You need to get the whole thing. Mm -hmm. That's just wild. I mean, th this, it's a crazy job. This job is nuts, right? Yeah. Because they, they work for months without actually producing anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome job. <laughs> well, aside from the, what seem to be long hours and difficulty it creates in personal relationships and not to mention the investigating unpleasant things yeah you do get to go to ball games every so often though so but then again it is the red Sox. well what i would like about it is that i'd be like oh, i'm still chasing down leads mm -hmm. <laughs> in four years yeah i'm real hard i gotta tell you <laughs> don't you still i see you in the ball game every other night yeah it's that's, that's where the leads are. Yeah, I, I've been I've been canvassing the concessions workers. So, I liked uh, Rachel McAdams when mm -hmm. the cop was like, "I shouldn't be talking about this," and she goes, "I think you should actually." <laughs> yeah, I think you should be talking about this. As a matter of fact, and who who ended up playing the Father Paquin character? I didn't look him up. I just was like, "That's a thankless role." Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what a bizarre character, too. Like, yeah. I want to be clear about this. I didn't receive any pleasure from it. Oh, good. Okay. What? A, and like, that's that must have been odd for that actual person to have to do too. Because like, did you molest kids? Yep. Wait, you, you did? Yeah. Yep, yeah. it did. Okay. Um, she's like writing down furiously. I know. She's, she's like, like, tell me about where that do I or? go from here? Yeah. Wasn't expecting, wasn't expecting you to say yes right away. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I was almost not even mad at him. I was like, I guess he's just going to uh, confess. That's good. So if I they know. would all confess, that would be good, I guess. He's like, I I didn't rape them. Yeah, I know. I should know. I was raped. I don't want to hear more of his story after that. Not because I, I liked him or something, but because I was like, well, this is a, this is a door that yeah. I don't know if I want opened, but I'm curious. I know. I definitely was. It was. It was a very strange character because, well, I guess person, not a character, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. real person. But like, it definitely had that where you're like, okay, well, I I don't like you, mm -hmm. but I do sort of want to understand more what made you tick here, you know. Yeah. But I don't. But but I do, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a strange feeling. <laughs> Um, and then you get uh, the Stanley Tucci, um, mm -hmm. 
character there, Mitch, Mitch Garabedian, right? He's essentially accusing the Catholic Church of remo of removing documents from a court docket. Yeah. I was curious if that part was actually true. I couldn't find I, I couldn't find out if it was, but I mean if that's true, I mean that's that's crazy. Mm -hmm. How were they able to do that? Um I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Aside from just convincing everyone that it was somehow morally better. I, I assume it was like moral equivocation. Like it's important. The church does good work and it's important for the church to be protected. Well, there was a lot of moral equivocation with the people that were trying to protect the church, right? Yeah. You so, can't like, just, you know, ruin the church yeah. over this, right? That does yeah. great things for the community. It's like, first of all, like, does it? But second of all, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Does it? But even if it does, right? Like, that's like sort of the bare minimum of what a church is supposed to do, mm -hmm. right? You're collecting money from people to do that. Mm -hmm. So, like, that'd be like that'd be like me being like, yeah, but I product I project manage things all the time. <laughs> yeah, you mean you you mean your job? You mean you're doing what you're paid to do? Cool. Mm -hmm. Well done, I guess. <laughs> I mean, up. how could there possibly be a legal reason for those documents to be missing? You know. It's just crazy. Well, you know, you see the uh, the uh, once Mark Ruffalo learns that the uh, that they should be like refiled and public, he goes there and he gets all this static from the guy working there. Those are private. No, they're actually public. Well, I don't want it anyway. Yeah. And, like I'm gonna I'm gonna need a judge to tell me to explicitly do it in order to actually do it, despite the fact that they're public. Um, so I I only assume that they have people in positions who are devout catholics and we're told not to do it you know right like lo lose that file okay your 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 highness i don't know what you call it your, your highness <laughs> your majesty i don't fucking care but uh yeah so that's all i can imagine and because you saw he was still resistant to it even when i guess the judge was like no I actually do and the judge even was also resistant you know he had to kind of like convince the judge of it like yeah because the judge was like these are pretty uh you know damning documents they shouldn't just be like bandied about it's like yeah but they should yeah because they're damning yeah that's yeah. the reason that they should be bandied about yeah <laughs> wait wait a second this is evidence that someone did something wrong i don't know if that belongs in a court <laughs> um yeah and then so we're, we're done with that he finally gets the documents right um but uh we head back to the globe office and i noticed there's a billboard that says aol anywhere i saw that too i was like aol <laughs> really <laughs> this is where we are <laughs> throwback blast from the past and then we 9 11 happens yeah just <laughs> you know i'm sitting this is another moment where it's uh kind of funny because like yeah 9-11 hilarious <laughs> it was a real like a real blast but uh I it was, was actually a real blast <laughs> more of an more of an implosion i think but uh, <laughs> uh no but i was like did I was you like, do that fake laugh for me just one more time <laughs> no i don't think that's actually it's, it's totally <laughs> uh no it's i was like this is some sloppy storytelling i don't know if i would put a random the worst terrorist attack in history right here 
doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but but then you're like, oh right, this is that's actually just, just what happened. That's just what happened. They didn't really care for it being there either. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they were like, hey, I didn't like that at all. Um, it just goes to show you how you know God is not a good storyteller. Yeah, right. The Lord. Now, so was the Catholic Church so big in Boston that the Cardinal was on TV enough that people were paying attention to him? I don't know. My assumption is gonna go ahead and be that like they that it was on like religious TV that some people that's that, kind of what I was thinking. A minority of people actually care about, but they, then they were watching because they're working on that story. On like EWTN. Yeah. Which probably nobody listening to this will remember what that is. I'm not sure I remember what that is, and I think I, I think I do. <laughs> well, it was just a religious channel, but I think it was like the Catholic religious channel. Oh, um, that's great. But, uh, but yeah, I. <laughs> anyway, um, so now you know they're doing stuff for the for 9/11 because of course, and um, you know Mike Resendiz is on his way down to Florida, and he's like calling Mitch Garabedian from the car. Mm -hmm. It was a weird, kind of a weird scene. I guess he had it a felt very out of place. It was out of place, and I didn't like Mark Ruffalo's character in this scene because I was like, because he's like, you gotta hold it off for me, and Mitch, um, Stanley Tucci's like, no, and Mark Ruffalo is like, but I'm gonna be in Florida. It's like, well, don't go to Florida then. I don't know if it's that important to you. Then, like, just I don't know. Like, I, I, know. I get, the, I get the job told him to go to Florida, but like. You know, set it back know. a couple days, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought the same thing, like, because, because, like Stanley Tucci says, like, that's not this is your problem, not mine. You'd think the Salviano guy would be a little more understanding after 9 11, though. You know? think so? But, like, uh, he's like, you just dropped us, like, what well, you fucking terrorist just killed yeah. 3,500 people. So, yeah, we dropped you for a little bit, yeah, not forever. Well, they they kind of mentioned how uh, unstable he is. So, yeah. Well, you know, he's been trying to get this story out forever, and I'm sure he's like feeling like we just lost our chance because this happened. Um, anyway, so now we get you know Rachel McAdams brings a story. She's like, I found a story about uh, about you know the one the one that Billy Crudup was talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Michael Keaton was just kind of like, okay, thanks. <laughs> Neato. I was like, oh, this is a weird reaction. So, you know, you know, there was something there, mm -hmm. but I was confused by why he gave such a weird reaction to it. Um, and then we see Mark Ruffalo waiting in the courthouse to get these, these documents, which is what you were talking about before. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, did he stay there all night? Yeah, I guess he did. <laughs> And it's just like all of these freaking roadblocks to get these documents. It's crazy. Yep. And then finally gets them. Yep. Can't make copies. <laughs> yeah. Has to bribe the guy. <laughs> Please <laughs> go make maybe. copies of your copier. Here's yeah. what it was like a hundred bucks. Here's a hundred bucks. Yeah. It was. Um. And then we get probably one of the most affecting scenes in the whole movie, which is when Mark Ruffalo is yelling at Michael Keaton. Oh yeah. When he's angry, cause they're not going to print the story like the second. Yeah. And, and I get where they're both coming from. Right. Um, mm -hmm. 
And, but I feel like Mark Ruffalo or, you know, his Mark, Mike Rizendi's anger in this is a really good outlet for the audience. Yeah, probably. You know, so I'm, I'm wondering if it really happened or if it was just like, this is a lot of shit we've just thrown at everybody. People are probably pissed. So we need somebody to yell about it. <laughs> Either way, it was a nice dramatic scene and Mark Ruffalo got to yell. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, he likes yelling. I, <laughs> and I mean, you wouldn't like him when he gets angry, but. Right. You don't want to make him angry. Um, but uh, I enjoyed the little, some of the personal stuff too. Like when there were, Mike Rosendes was talking to Rachel McAdams' character. Um, it was a Sophie. Was that her name? I can't remember now. Um, but anyway, I like they were they were talking to each other on the balcony there, and uh, he was like, you know, I liked going to church when I was a kid, and I sort of thought I would go back to it. I like I was holding on to that. Mm -hmm. Sad, it's, right? It is sad, and. He said one was just four years old. I don't think I noticed that the first time I saw it. I'm just like, I didn't notice it until you said it. Thanks. Oh, I was I was fine now that I noticed that part. Sorry. Yeah. It's I, okay. It's, I mean, it was in the movie I watched. So, well, my son was four when I watched oh. this movie. Yeah. For this podcast, he's five now. But, uh, but. It was just it sounds day. like it was like a year ago, but it was yeah. his birthday. Um, he used to be four. But yeah, so it was very like motherfucker. Mm -hmm. It actually reminded me of, you know, remember Larry, was it Nasser or whatever? Oh, yeah, the uh, USA Gymnastics guy. Yeah. Do you remember that he was on, he was like in the courtroom, and they were questioning him or whatever, and then one of the dads just like started charging him? Yeah, I can kill him. I really like. I did not blame that guy at all. It's 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 hard to get too judgmental about that. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, fucking get him, dude. Yeah. So now we you know uh, we we get to the point where you know he's Robbie's got to use his source, right? Mm -hmm. His source is like a good friend of his, apparently. And I mean, it looked really fucking cold. <laughs> yeah. when they were doing he's out there confirming him um and i just was uh, you know what it was just like what a wild ride this all was to get to the point where it was ready to actually go out mm -hmm. and and now it, it it was like all this stuff and this all this investigating and everything and then we're in the editor editor's room you know mm -hmm. and it's just like, and Marty Baron is just like another adjective. Yeah, <laughs> I actually did catch that because I'm on, I was on the lookout for verbs <laughs> or non-verbs, as it might have been. But, Michael Keaton's character hated ver or had strong opinions about verbs. Liev Schreiber had strong opinions about adjectives. I can see editors not liking adjectives. I feel like that makes sense. You know, I I uh, I greatly like adjectives i uh find them extremely useful <laughs> just modifiers in general yeah didn't you just use some adverbs though yeah they were adverbs yeah. that's why i changed it to modifiers bite me <laughs> i'm cutting that out too and you can't stop me since you put me in charge of it oh boy and 
so anyway, we get, we get Liev's speech at the end of that, right? Mm -hmm. And it was just like so subtle and succinct and well done. I was like, this is, you know, he's like, this is what we do. This is like why we're important. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. It was neat. And I also enjoyed that they showed sort of, um, I don't know what to say enjoyed, but I also thought it was it was interesting the way that they showed because remember they they like waited a couple weeks to to do this to finish the story mm -hmm. and uh and mike resendiz goes to uh mitch garabedian's office and there's like a couple kids in there and he's like both kids were abused two yeah. weeks ago yeah it's like so while they were waiting for the story to come out i think it just showed like it didn't stop because they were investigating it. It was mm -hmm. it just kept going. No, absolutely. It's it's hard to come up with like it's, it's kind of emotionally draining, huh? Just being like, well, yeah. great, another horrible thing. Neat. Yeah. And I, I liked that the reporter with you know with the kids that had the treatment center nearby went and left the newspaper the on the newspaper. Yeah, that was yeah. probably the best. That was a good uh a good outlet for his you know how upset he was because it wasn't it wasn't violent or you know anything like that it was just <laughs> i'm like here you go just so you know yeah just so you know i know i also thought it was they had, they had a bunch of like subtle details here that were sort of fascinating because like you know that the day after the story comes out Mike Rosendi shows up early along with, with uh, Robbie, right? Mm -hmm. And Robbie's got like kind of a brand new Camry. Mm -hmm. And Mike's got just like this older Toyota. I think it was also a Camry, but it was older and kind of looked shitty. Mm -hmm. And that was a nice kind of touch, you know, like this guy makes more money than this guy. <laughs> <laughs> can you guess who's who? Yeah. I bet you can. So then we get sort of the uh, the exposition at the end, being like, "This is how fucked up they all were, right?" Yep. Yep. So six hundred stories came out, you know, like different newspaper outlets saying mm -hmm. about talking about these abuses, and then in Boston alone, two hundred forty nine priests and brothers. That's just an, crazy high number also mm -hmm. what are brothers i would assume monks but i don't really know why monks exist anymore does not <laughs> of course i don't know why any of this exists anymore but i particularly don't know why monks exist and well over 1000 survivors in boston mm -hmm. just absolutely disgusting and then cardinal law gets a promotion yep isn't that isn't that the way yeah that's it, you know. I uh, this is actually one of the movies that I didn't mind the little postscript, you know, note. Me, because, yeah, me, I liked it actually, yeah, because there's like actual fallout to it instead of just such and such. Is he's now a manager of a fishing tackle store, um, <laughs> didn't care, but uh, but this this one did work, but like at the same time, it felt very like, do you remember the John Oliver bit back when? Fuckface was president, and you'd be like, "We got him!" And then, no, it doesn't matter. Oh yeah, that's when it felt like cardinal law there. Like, we got him, and then not, not did nothing. Okay, neat. No wonder he wasn't concerned about the questions or issuing a response, since 
he knew it didn't matter anyway. Yeah. I, and then they showed major, you know, major abuse scandals in all of these places. And it's basically every major city in the world. Mm-hmm. Cool church. Yeah. Isn't that neat? <sighs> all right. Well, that's that's the movie. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll, we should go on to the rank now on that high note. A rank. We, we're going to rank the movie based on 10 categories. Story, acting, originality, film coherence, cinematography, score slash soundtrack, script structure and dialogue, character relatability, production value, and time, and timelessness. Um, we rank it on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst, 10 being the best. We add up our scores cumulatively, and that is what gives us the total score, total ranking, and... Yeah, so this is the last one from 2015. So we're going to find out if the Academy got it right here in uh, uh, probably 20 minutes or so. Now, the first category up is story, and Zach starts. So what did you give Spotlight Story? You uh, said it was in 20 minutes or so. Denzel Washington just set his watch. Like, <laughs> the timer. Um, um, called it, actually. No, Denzel Washington. I saw him in the movie. <laughs> Jeez. So what's my category here? Story? Story. So this is a real story that actually happened, right? Correct. The story, I, I would give a negative a billion out of ten because... The, <laughs> right. The story of, like, the fact that they, a bunch of reporters were like, let's get to the bottom of this story. Let's get the scoop. Um, Give that higher than a negative a billion because I guess it's good that they did that. As far as the actual how the story was presented in terms of a movie, I know this one best original screenplay, but I gave the story a six. Which really, yeah, I did not think it was presented all that well. Um, I am not going to go too deep into why right now because it, I will do so over the course of the rest of my rankings. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I gave it a 10. <laughs> So, so that was different. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was an excellent story. I it was a very heavy subject told from the vantage point of the detectives, essentially, and not the victims. Yeah, um, and it's almost like reading a story in second person, which so rarely happens. I, I thought it was really well done. <laughs> Feeling kind of stupid now, but uh, Maybe I'm the stupid one. It's, not, it's not always you who's stupid. Sometimes I get to be stupid. Well, you're you're holding off on uh, on, on the exact on the exact reasons. Time, yeah. So I'm curious if the if mine will go down after you've expanded more. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, so the next category is acting. I'm a little worried that mine's going to be way off from yours again <laughs> because I gave this also a ten. Uh oh, this is looking like. This is funny. Um, we're gonna have to revisit at the end here because you said I don't think it's gonna be number eight, and I was and I assume that was based on you giving it pretty good scores across when you said that. I almost said I don't think it's gonna be number one though, <laughs> based on rather the opposite. So this is this will be interesting. Well, um, I thought the acting in this was actually incredible. Uh, it's 
It was, it felt very understated and real. None of the conversations or dialogue feels forced or preachy. Even the one blow up that the audience gets to enjoy for some catharsis is well handled by a very good actor in Mark Ruffalo. Um, I am very curious to hear what you're about to say. So what did you, what did you give acting? I gave it a 7.75. Yeah, that's better than I I thought it was going to be way worse than that. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to be like I gave it a one just to see your reaction, but I decided not to play with the play with fire like that. But no, I uh, the acting was solid. Um, I'm not going to complain too much. Um, it was solid but unremarkable. Um, nobody really did anything that I felt like I. I haven't seen before in 50,000 other movies, which is maybe not the point. I'm not, nobody needs to blow me away every single time. It's just that everyone was perfectly fine. I actually didn't like Mark Ruffalo. I thought that you might not actually, but yeah, um, I didn't love him. It seemed like he think he thought chewing gum was an acting choice. And I don't know. Hey, uh, I just didn't, didn't love, didn't love him in this. I also didn't like Michael Keaton as much as I usually like Michael Keaton. That's really i loved michael keaton in this yeah i don't know he was everybody was like going for understated and except for mark ruffalo who went i don't know what he was going for he was going for sideways stated he just went in like a weird branching path that like i didn't understand but um nobody was bad so i'm not trying to say michael keaton was bad i love michael keaton just in this he was very he was unremarkable i don't know um, who did I like? I like Liev Schreiber a lot. I thought he was. Oh, Liev Schreiber was so good in this. I thought he was he was the best out of everybody. Roger Sterling, I like as an actor. He was just playing himself. I don't know. He it was, it was very like un. Like I love how he never used his actual name. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know his name. I know. I, I can't just... believe that. I can't believe you remembered anybody's name. I don't know anybody, but uh, <laughs> Sophie Marcou. I don't know what her actual name was. Um. And father Irish, um, father oh, Irish. <laughs> I I, I uh, like Stanley Tucci. Um, I always like Stanley Tucci. Um, yeah, he was good. Um, I loved everybody in this. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> this, this this is a boring one for me because it was fine. Let's move on. All right. Well, originality is next. What do you have for that one? Originality is tough on a on a real story, right? Yeah. But I gave this one a seven. I uh, was thinking of going lower, so I I'm kind of glad I didn't. But um, it's I'm not judging it so much on the on the child abuse part of it because that's something that actually happened, and I'm not saying that they should have done a lot differently with the characters or the actual events because I don't like I wouldn't want it to be too fictional fictionalized, especially since part of the point of the movie is to bring more attention to the story. Right. But like, I, I like investigative movies. I like newspaper movies to an extent. I don't really care for like journalist types just because they, I, I kind of, I get kind of tired of journalist types because um, if it seems to me that the only group that likes to congratulate itself quite as much as Hollywood does is journalism. Um, possibly because they both like telling stories. So they're always like, ooh, let's make a story about how journalists are the heroes. Um, <laughs> really, the important thing here is that a journalist uncovered the truth. And it's like, I don't know, is this, isn't this story actually about the survivors or something? Isn't it actually about people who were affected by this and not 
20 years after the after the fact some reporters stumbled accidentally onto something um well sort of ironically then it's uh it's like room was the real part of this mm-hmm. you know it was like oh, yeah. the, the different perspective anyway sorry go ahead no, that's okay um I maybe it was more original because it was like almost entirely from the perspective of the journalists, which you seem to like because you said that it was from the investigator's perspective. I kind of would have wanted, I thought it would have been more effective, if not more original. And this goes back to story not getting a good grade from me. If it had been from multiple perspectives of the story and fewer actual reporters, because like I don't even remember who some of these reporter characters we had are. Like, I didn't learn their names because I wasn't trying too hard, but um, <laughs> a lot of them were just so bo- like, I don't need this guy's random little, little contribution. He barely exists in the movie. Like, I don't need him. Um, you could have, you could have like, I don't know. I feel like they could have combined several of the reporters into one person and we could have focused on that person more. Um, I think I would have actually like reduced it almost entirely down to R- Rachel McAdams, um, Michael Keaton and Liev Schreiber. And it would have been like a chain of command kind of thing. And we would have spent most of our time with Rachel McAdams. Um, that's just my opinion. Because I think she did most of the actual field work as far as um, interviews and stuff. And I know Mark Ruffalo went to the courthouse and stuff. We can just get rid of him. Um, and then maybe also have points of view from like cops who worked it. Maybe some points of view from like the um, victims. Maybe even some of the church people. Maybe a couple of church pe- church involves people who covered it up or knew and did nothing and how they, how they regret it um i think i think that would have been more effective storytelling overall this is just my opinion i'm thinking of a movie like um say this is going to seem like out of, out of left field but say Anything? quiz show well yeah oh. <laughs> say quiz show i was thinking because that takes place partly from the perspective of the guy who's investigating or who's covering the story, the Rob Morrow character, but we also get a lot from several other perspectives to the cre- to the benefit of the movie, I think. Um, not to, like, unfairly compare two completely different movies, but um, this is not, in my opinion, the best well, movie. Well, it's the same I- crime, wasn't it? Oh, it's absolutely crimes of exact exact uh, <laughs> severity. Yep. Identical severity. Exactly. <laughs> Cheating on a quiz show in the 50s or whatever the fuck and molesting children. Um but it was just it was just the first one that came into my mind. And if they were going to do this entirely from the perspective of people investigating it, they should have gone in more of a thriller-esque kind of direction where it was like, and I don't mean thriller like they're being chased or like Roger Sterling, it really is Ghostface. Um he uh, although that would be a good Michael idea. Michael Jackson. Yeah, that would be a good idea for a spin-off of Mad Men. Um but uh <laughs> really mad men, extremely <laughs> mad men. Um, but uh I, I wanted more thrills from the investigation. It was it was very rote and very like, and I guess you said during the potent notables how they it got credit or uh um compliments from this is so realistic as to how newsrooms are. Apparently newsrooms are kind of boring, which is fine, but like can we get more exciting moments of like, oh my God, we broke the story wide open with this amazing revelation. Instead, it was like, I'm waiting at court. Um, so that was fun. <laughs> I'm waiting at court. I, I liked like, for instance, a lot when they figured out the little like, oh my God, look at these registers of where the priests are located. Look, this is probably indicates that they were abusing people, huh? 
that was neat but like it was done like such a uninteresting moment like neato but who cares i don't know um and as to like newspaper stories this isn't the best newspaper movie that i've seen where mark ruffalo is investigating something because um zodiac is a lot better it's not even the best newspaper movie i've seen with michael keaton in it because i like the paper better so i don't know wow <laughs> i had opinions i guess yeah i guess so i i i i can't Sorry, I'm I, usually just, like, no, 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 this is okay. I just, I'm usually very like, oh, I see where he's coming from, but I actually really disagree with you on a lot of this. Well, I, I, well, I don't know. I just, I feel like, um, well, what'd you give it? Well, I gave it an 8.25. I mean, okay. I don't think the originality should be super high. So I, I don't disagree with you on the or originality score, but a lot of the mm -hmm. other things that you mentioned, um, well, this is also partly justifying story being low. So. Yeah, no, I get that. And I guess I'm just like, I'm thinking, I like that they kept it as true mm -hmm. as they could. I also really, I I just really enjoyed the, uh, the mundane portions of it. I, I felt, it felt like I was really there and, and in this workplace and, and with these, you know, these sort of like, um small issues that come up that you don't necessarily think come up in five months of uh of of investigative work but they do and i i, I don't know i just i found it fascinating i had no i didn't want it to be a thriller and i not that i didn't care about seeing the victim's perspective but i i i think it takes a subject matter that would be so easy to to i mean so let's take room for instance and room was absolutely emotionally draining mm -hmm. and i think it's to the detriment of the film because it feels just like okay fucking jesus give me a break <laughs> with yeah. this. this is too much um whereas you know you you take it from this perspective and it's not too much and you're able to sort of feel the anger that you should feel towards these people um and you feel sad for the victims too but like i don't know i i don't know i i i wasn't prepared to argue with you on this <laughs> <laughs> no I, I get your perspective um but so for originality though i i i it's not a high score as, as doing a movie about journalists uncovering a big scandal is sort of a tried and true mo movie formula, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just, I didn't want to give originality a low score on this because there, there are the types, these are the types of the stories that, that need to be told and, and increase the audience, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, maybe you disagree with that, but uh, well, you disagree in the way that it was told, but um it's good to understand how important local reporting is in our lives is what I was mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Also, so while the concept may not be original, this is the only movie I know about uh, that, that was doing the reporting to take down the Catholic church's sexual abuse scandals. Mm -hmm. I don't know of any other movie that's, that's done that. Yeah. No, no. Okay. 
Um, uh, well, like, no, not just movies that maybe approach aspects of some of, uh, you know, abuse by Catholic priests like um, uh, Mystic River, but that's not about reporting at all. That's just about, like, revenge for it. <laughs> yeah, but was that a priest? I thought it was. It's been years since I saw it. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, anyway, but yeah, so I gave it an 8.25. But um, the next category is film coherence, and I gave that a 9.5. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really well put together. I thought there were times where it felt a little disjointed, like when Mike Resendiz had the call with Mitch Garabedian in his, in his car while he was in Florida. Mm hmm I understood why it happened that way and it was realistic, but it felt very sudden and unnecessary. Um, I don't know. This is a time where cinematic license can be taken to make more film coherence, which is kind of what you were talking about, you know, yeah, yeah. like take a little bit more uh, freedom. Uh, you know, you're a film. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to, it doesn't, not everything has to be a hundred percent accurate um, to get the, the story across. But um mm -hmm. You know, we like we all understand that condensing months of reporting into two hours isn't easy. So um, it doesn't need to be <laughs> geographically factual, right? Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, so that was really the only part that I really felt um, was incoherent. So, but what do you have? Because I feel like it's going to be much lower than mine. Not much lower. I gave it an eight. Um, I thought it was basically okay. fine, but it just felt it, it. It felt like a lot of the editing sapped it of energy for me. Um, but again, like you said, that might your your opinion was that that might even be somewhat purposeful to try to give you like you have to kind of slog through the mundane parts of this in order to get at the facts of it, which maybe that's that's useful, but. Um, I kept like wishing that it would propel the story forward somewhat, but you know, again, that goes back to my kind of wanting it to be more energetic as a story in general. You know, it's it's interesting because I think they relied on the charisma of their leads. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like we're going to rely on the idea that people are going to enjoy spending time with these people. Like the audience is going to enjoy spending time with these people. And that's what the movie is going to, going to, you know, be based on. That's going to be the uh, foundation. That's, yeah. That's going to um, provide, you know, impetus to keep watching and caring about what's going on. And given that I didn't totally love a lot of their, you know, I, their performances were all fine, but I wasn't overly enamored with it. So um, that's sort of probably contributed to my, yeah, it's not being super interested. Yeah, so I could see if you didn't if you didn't enjoy the performances, not that you didn't enjoy them, but mm -hmm. uh, that you didn't like. I loved the performances. Yeah, right? that would have that would have made it much more engaging to me if I had right. liked it more. Fair yeah. or not, but yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's your you know, it's not like seven point seven five. By the way, audience that's listening to us is not a bad score. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, it was still a pretty good movie. I wasn't like. Movie was shit. <laughs> Can't wait for anyway, a movie where I can go. This was shit. I, I don't know if it's going to happen in this series, but yeah. Well, there's a couple we've done on the other series. If you yeah. want to listen to those, you mean Robot uh, Jux wasn't nominated for Best Picture? It wasn't, as a matter of fact. Nor was Bloodsport or Mission Impossible Two. I don't know if I believe you. Uh, although John Lithgow did get a Best Actor, 
best actor nomination for uh cliffhanger so right <laughs> um but anyway I'd be, the next i'd be done with this series if that was the case i'd be like the academy knows nothing <laughs> uh well the next category is cinematography what do you give that i gave that also an eight because it was perfectly serviceable perfectly serviceable sounds like such an insult in this series particularly um uh it was it was uh it was, i mean i i'm trying to come up with a nicer way to say it than perfectly serviceable but it did it did a, it did a good job of doing what it was supposed to do and not maybe maybe they wouldn't have wanted to like be too visually inventive and crazy because like that isn't the point of the story but one thing i will say is that it annoys me because i feel like anytime they set a movie in boston they have to like film it in a particular way like it's always gray you know wintry colors no matter what time like there's ever spring in boston i don't know um it's always so like working class and like downtrodden that it's like wow you know, nice boston accent i uh it's funny i i i kind of hate boston accents because they're like any accent that is more overrepresented in movies and media than the boston accent by which i mean the comparison of media that like portrays it and how many people actually have it which is pretty small relatively speaking um and yet like every time you turn on a movie it's like oh look how do you like them apples etc um <laughs> maybe it's just because those two were in a lot of fucking movies and they really like putting movies in their little hometown or you know they're probably from like milford massachusetts or some dumb shit, not boston actually um well the fairly brothers do all their movies in providence so that's that's a uh, hey this movie had a scene in providence that's right um i don't know why i cared <laughs> i was like hey providence like i care about providence in the slightest but uh <laughs> now what do they say oh yeah boston always needs to be like oh but i love doing a boston accent is what i'm what i'm trying to say it's a, it's like a lot of fun so i think i get why those why actors seem to enjoy doing it but uh i uh, i especially like to be cliff from cheers so I'll just like walk around the house being that, and uh, it, it annoys other people who live with me. Well, we finally found a place where we 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 actually completely agree. I gave it an eight. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was very real and gritty, but not very pretty or cutting edge or anything. You know, yeah, which was probably um, purposeful, right? Yeah, I th I'm sure that's why they did it. It it felt like they wanted it to look like it was being filmed in the early 2000s, but to me, it actually kind of looked like it was being filmed in the early 90s or late 80s. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think when I saw clips of the movie without really knowing what it was about, except for like reporters looking at into scandals, I think I thought it was like a movie that took place in the 80s or something. Maybe that's sort of a timeless quality to, to, to print journalism or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like this is sort of the danger with trying to make the cinematic experience feel like a time period. Mm -hmm. You know, because like, so if you have a period piece that takes place in the 1600s, you're not going to have the film look like it's in the 1600s because it didn't exist, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it seems sort of silly that they try to do these. They, a lot of movies do this where they're like, oh, this is taking place in the 70s. So I want the mm -hmm. film to kind of look like it's in the 70s. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I live in the 2020s. <laughs> Make it look like it's in the 2020s and then have the set pieces look like it's in the 70s. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you ever seen a Spielberg movie? Do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway. You know, I think my uh, my cinematography score, actually, I was tempted to go lower, and I think it was just because of my recent movie-going experience. Um, 
in that we're filming this and I went to see both Barbie and Oppenheimer yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to comment on the quality of either of those movies because I don't know, maybe we'll get there. But, um, uh, but uh, both were uh, visually more inventive than Spotlight. And that is not necessarily a good or a bad thing. But I think I was like, I've been, I don't know, just from having watched two movies in a row yesterday and then sitting down to one today, I was like primed for like, all right, hit me with those visuals. <laughs> and I was like, these visuals are boring. <laughs> Very different visuals. Very different visuals from Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yeah. Now, now that all being said, though, I I did get what they were going for. Oh, absolutely. That's and it, I, I had to kind of like readjust myself. Like, oh wait, right. this, is, right. this is not a Christopher Nolan movie, and this is not about a toy. About a, about a pink <laughs> toy. So. Um. And actually, honestly, at times it it did enhance the experience, you know, mm -hmm. um, just not enough for a higher score. So, yeah. oh, same. Um, but anyway, so the next one is score slash soundtrack, and for that I gave a seven and a half. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it actually started off really great with the score, um, but then it was basically just like the same chords over and over. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, sad. It's just yeah. sad. It may as well have just had you on the soundtrack shouting sad. <laughs> I am very sad right now. You should be too. Yep. And I understand that it's the type of movie that like it's that type of movie, you know? Mm -hmm. But I wasn't particularly moved by it. Um however, I really liked the score when the film started and it was and it really was effective at getting you into the headspace for the movie you were about mm -hmm. to watch. So that's why I gave it seven and a half. Uh, I gave it a six, exact same reason. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, the next one is script structure and dialogue. So what did you give that? I gave that a seven because I know it won an Academy Award for it, et cetera. But it's very similar to story. It's just not how I wanted it to be set up at all. Um, I, 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 again, felt like it dragged when it really needed to push forward. Um, and I felt like, um, they focused on the wrong things, but, um, yeah. So oh, man, we I are like, like yeah, far off on this one. Yeah. I, I, I miss when we were, when we weren't far off. This is like <laughs> the opposite of like early Siskel and Ebert episodes where they're just like screaming at each other because they disagree. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, a, I'm like, oh, I don't want to. I feel bad now. Let's hope you felt the same. I know. I know. It's you know what it is. It's like um, I sort of don't mind being lower than you, mm -hmm. but being higher than you feels bad. I feel, so it's probably the same for you because you're like, oh, I I wanted to like this as much as as you're like, <laughs> yeah, you know, same. Um, whereas like when I'm lower than you, it's it's so rare that I'm like, all right, I actually mm -hmm. don't like something that you <laughs> that you like. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just feel like a spoil sport or something with with this. Like, <laughs> I don't like this movie. Well, why not? Because it was dumb. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know if I said it yet, but I gave it a ten. Okay, <laughs> um, so that is different. Yeah, I, I thought the script was excellent. I thought the dialogue was excellent. It was smart without without feeling inaccessible. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was gentle with the subject matter and yet still felt real. Um, I don't know. I I thought it was, I thought it was excellent. So, mm -hmm. 
I guess I should just move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next category is character relatability, which I also gave a 10. Because mm -hmm. I think that these were by far the most relatable characters we've had so far. Yeah, I, I empathize with pretty much every character in there. Um, and I, and if I didn't empathize, I understood their motivations. It was just, it was very well done, in my opinion. But what do you have for that? I gave it a seven and a half because I thought everyone was relatable enough, but not interesting. Maybe that's the wrong way to go about it. But um, like, I, like, sure, they're relatable, but like, you could make a movie about anyone and like they would be relatable in that, like, oh, yes, I have also spent all day at my house doing nothing. That doesn't mean we needed a movie about it. Wow. <laughs> I feel like they did more than that, but you know. <laughs> Well, that doesn't feel like a fair characterization of the movie at all. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, you know, I, I think you're going to push in, push up some engagement for us with this one. Um, yeah. Um, every so often, I really don't like something. Like, any, I don't know. And it's not even that I really don't like it. That's not fair. But every so often, I'm just like, well, let's, let's go. You're very blah on Spotlight. <laughs> um, more like blah light, more like splat light, splat light. Yeah, um, there you go. So, all right. Well, the next category is production value. What do you have for that? I gave that one an eight. I wasn't really sure what to do. It was perfectly. I mean, every, every, everything looked authentic to the time period, as far as I remember it. We were both alive in two thousand one. <laughs> um, neither of us worked in a newsroom, but uh, I didn't start until two thousand two. Um, but uh, yeah, um, and like you know, but I, I didn't feel great going higher than an eight because it wasn't like, I mean, given the quality of the production value on some of the movies that we've done for this one, it felt like, yeah, lower end but still perfectly good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was okay with going higher than an eight because I did a nine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I thought they did a great job of recreating the offices and making it feel like it was the early 2000s in terms of like set work and the the way people's houses looked you know um we had flip phones and old camrys i, th I thought it was really well done you know i mean mm -hmm. obviously they have a lower budget so production value probably isn't going to be as high as some of the other ones on our mm -hmm. uh, on our list that we've watched but i thought it was good all right well um we're moving on to the final category here Timelessness, the hardest category. This is a tough one. And uh, I gave it a nine and a half. Mm -hmm. I think this is probably the most timeless film we've watched so far in this series. I don't know if you're going to agree with me, but I, I, I think that people will go back to this movie for years. I, I thought it was excellent in the same way that All the President's Men was, um, which is another timeless movie about journalists uncovering a huge story. This is the Catholic church, Catholic uh, scandal movie. Mm -hmm. Just like All the President's Men is the Watergate movie. I think they'll be linked forever because it was excellently done. So that's my reasoning for Nine and a Half Timelessness. What do you have? I, I have a seven. I uh, thought it was not particularly memorable outside of it bringing a spotlight to the Catholic church scandal. Um, I kept wishing that not wishing. All right, I'm not going to say that. That's too inflammatory. Um, I uh, just felt like it was it, it was forgettable 
to be perfectly honest. I feel like I don't hear people talk about it, and I don't feel like people talked about it that much at the time. I feel like it was the one of the lesser talked about movies nominated this year. Wow. Well, there we go. We've we've got the rank. I remember talking about this movie quite a bit in 2015. I will say that the movie that I wanted to win Best Picture that year mm -hmm. is the number one movie of 2015, according to the rank with John and Zach. <laughs> Which I'm going to assume is still Brooklyn, yeah. In Brooklyn, yeah. I don't know if it'll carry over, like if it'll remain the number one movie after we do 2004 next, but... As of right now, it's, it's looking pretty good. And interestingly enough, Spotlight ended up being number eight, which I said, well, it won't be number eight. And yeah. I was fucking wrong, apparently. <laughs> I didn't mean to drag that down into eight. I agreed that I didn't think it would be quite eight. But my God. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, the thing that I like about this is that the big short is no longer in last place. I know. Poor thing has been in last place since the second week. <laughs> which was because it couldn't be in the first week um so now i, I will say that i i i think that spotlight is a better movie than the big short personally but the reason i'm enjoying that the big shorts no longer last is because i feel like it kind of you know being the first one we ranked can get a fair shake yeah I um, too, a little bit i don't think it was the best i'm okay with it not being the best but um maybe it should have been I don't know, higher than uh, The Martian or something. I don't know. doesn't really matter. Um, either way, spotlight number eight. So not only did the Academy get it wrong, they picked the winner. The, the winner that they picked was the worst of their choices, according to us. Well, um, I'm not sure it's quite according to us. This is one of those ones <laughs> where averaging kind of screws it over. And also where you might want to go and expand, like, Detailed rankings. Oh well, this is this was not middling from both people. This was rather opposite from from each. Hey, can you imagine if I felt the same way as you did? <laughs> How low this would have been. Well, this but, is the this is the worst movie of all time, according to us. Well, no, <laughs> it's not because there are a couple of worse ones, but it is also a different scale. It's on the same level as Robot Jacks, I'd say. Basically, um, it's kind of barely better, just because production value was a little higher. <laughs> Actually, they only spent $7 million more than uh, Robot Jocks did. <laughs> you see, if uh, Robot Jocks had just gotten that extra $7 million, I think they would have been, yeah. put them would've would've been, been, been right up there with Brooklyn. It would have been like Brooklyn, Robot Jocks, Bloodsport. That would have been the rank. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it for 2015. Uh, or the 2016 Oscars. That's, that's kind of fun. So, um, you know, just to wrap things up here, it turns out that we disagree with the Academy. <laughs> and based on our flawless ranking system, <laughs> Brooklyn is the film that should have won Best Picture of the uh, 2015 films that were nominated. Um, so thanks again, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you'd like to see an updated list of our rankings, you can see that on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com. Uh I just want to remind everybody to please tell us the next year that you'd like us to to rank in the in the best picture series because uh, we're using your input. Um, we've got I shouldn't say next because the next one is two thousand four, but um, twenty fifteen, then two thousand four, then 
you know, you let us know. If you don't let us know, we're just going to keep picking and hopefully keep listening. Um, but uh, also, if you just want to engage and you want to argue with Zach about Spotlight, <laughs> I welcome that. Shoot him an email at uh, rankwithjohnandzach at protonmail.com. Because... Shoot him an email with a gun. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I also disagree with his rankings. Well. I seem to have made some enemies this episode. <laughs> Listen in next week to the rank with John because Zach has been banished. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, also I should mention I, I wanted to let people know that we were considering, we have been considering doing a patron only series. Um, so if you wanted to become a patron on, on Patreon, um, the idea would be that we would actually review, you know, new movies and we would use the same sort of scale system that we're doing now. Uh, the premise that I'd want to do is that if it's, if it's an action movie, it gets action movie categories. If it's a drama, it's get it's gets drama categories, comedy, comedy, right? So that you're getting a review based on what the movie actually is instead of a random review that's like, well, but it wasn't Brooklyn, you know? <laughs> so uh, if, if that's something you're interested in, let us know. Uh, we will certainly consider doing it. And um, if it's something you're not interested in, then, you know, let us know that too. But uh, we'd, be, we'd be happy to do it if, if, we, if people want to have that sort of exclusive content. But... Uh, regardless of all that, engage with us in any way you see how. We, we've got the TikTok now. We've got the the Instagram, um, the Instant Gram, I think it's called, right? Mm -hmm. It's Instantly Gram. It's in Instantly Gram. And that, that's like that's like the Gram Cracker, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Great. I don't know how that, that makes Gra any sense for us, but... Graham. Inst instantly Gram Cracker. <laughs> Instantly Dilly. graham cracker. I like Dilly. putting peanut butter on graham crackers. Oh, that's that's a good one. Not gonna lie, I like honey myself because honey's pretty um, good. On the picture, I think they have honey dribbling on it, and it's like, well, why don't you just have honey on it? <laughs> why aren't they called honey grams? Don't they have honey in the grams? Yeah, but I want more honey. You know what I mean? I always want more honey. Exactly. Except that I don't like to touch it. Oh yeah, who does like to touch it? No. Bees. Yeah, I um, guess so. Well, maybe they don't like touching it, you know. <laughs> They're like, well, it's like, fuck this thing. stuff again. God damn yeah. it. They like to touch the royal jelly that they like. <laughs> uh, Dewey Cox. <laughs> so, yeah, we're on the YouTube now, too. We, we're, on, we're on all the social media now. So, uh, you know, tweet at us. Thread us, apparently, is the thing, too. So, Yes, thread um, the needle. Thread, yeah, thread that needle right over to the Rank Podcast. And basically everything is the Rank Podcast if you want to get a hold of us. And Patreon is patreon.com slash the Rank Podcast. Um, yeah. Anyway, we hope to uh, we hope to be hearing from you. And check us out next week when we're moving on to the movies released in 2004. And we're ranking The Aviator the 2004 Best Picture nominee starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Blanchett and directed by the legendary Martin Scorsese. So goodbye. You know, I think we all suggest at the rank here that you make like the Catholic Church and Archdiocese the day.
Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. It's also don't actually make like the Catholic Church though. 